Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in his series on the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Let Us Speak Truth, preached on June 1st, 1997. Matthew chapter 5, 33-37. Again you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. For I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Speaking truth. Today, unless you are under oath in a court of law, One does not have to tell truth. That is pretty sad condition in which we find ourselves. But let's understand first of all, God is truth. You should read an an article by Professor John Murray in his book, Principles of Conduct. The chapter is entitled, The Sanctity of Truth. Truth is that which is absolute, ultimate, eternal, permanent, and complete. God, who is truth, sent his son to this world to testify to the truth. Remember, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus himself declared he was the way, the truth, and the life. He told Pilate that he was born for this purpose that he may testify to truth. Yet since Pilate was not of the truth, he did not believe in him. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. One becomes a Christian when one believes in Jesus Christ who is full of grace and truth. Because God is truth. He desires, the Bible says, truth in our inward parts. The Bible is very clear that all lie is of the devil. Jesus said, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Now you know, when you lie, you are not speaking By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who is spirit of truth. But you are speaking lies. By the inspiration of the devil. In the Bible the first lie comes from Satan's lips. When he said to Eve. You will not surely die. For God knows when you eat of it. Your eyes will be opened. And and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. As Professor John Murray says in that book I cited. The devil accuses God of deliberate falsehood and deception. 
Because he is jealous of his own selfish and exclusive possession of the knowledge of good and evil. God is truth. But number two, man is liar. God is truth, therefore his word is truth. Salvation comes to us through the knowledge of God. Who is truth through his word which is truth. Those who are Christians love truth and all who deny God's word is of the devil. The Bible which is God's word reveals to us this supreme truth. What is it? Jesus Christ the Savior. And if the consummate message of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Then according to John the Apostle, the liar is the man who denies Jesus is the Christ. John says such a man is the Antichrist. Such a man denies the Father and the Son. That's the greatest lie in the whole world. To deny the supreme message of the Holy Scriptures that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Number three, who is a truth teller? It is he who confesses with his mouth Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead. Such a person is saved. He is of the truth and speaks truth. My question this morning is, are you a liar or do you speak truth? And I just told you what the biggest lie in the whole world is. Let me speak to you about the miracle of truth telling. The truth is every man is a liar. David says even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wavered and speak lies. Psalm 58 and verse 3. Psalm 5 verse 9 tells us not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. Jeremiah says this heart is deceitful. Above all things and desperately wicked. How can such a man... Who speaks lies from his heart. And only lies. How can such a man tell truth. And confess Jesus is Lord. Well. It is an absolute impossibility. Unless. A miracle takes place. In the life of this liar. Jesus said you must be born again. Born of the Holy Spirit. And by this miracle, man is changed and enabled to confess Christ and believe in him. Christ who is truth. Christ who is eternal. Christ who is absolute. Christ who is complete. Christ who is permanent. Christ who is reality. Christ who is substance over against shadow. So the question then is, have you saw being born again? Now you come to me and say your kids lie. Well, you know why. They're not born again. And they can only lie. 
In other words, do you have a nature that is divine, that loves truth? Truth, which is the triune God and his holy word. And here in Matthew 5, verse 33 through 37, Jesus interprets correctly the third commandment and the ninth commandment. Let's turn to Exodus 20 and let's read this third commandment. Verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And verse 16. The ninth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let's look at the, the scribal, pharisaical view that was prevailing at the time when Jesus taught this to his disciples. And you could read this scribal, pharisaical view in the Mishnah in a tractate called Shebuot. The scribes and the Pharisees taught concerning two kinds of swearing or oath-taking. Two kinds. One kind is binding and the other not binding. When one swears or takes an oath, he makes a solemn declaration or statement with an appeal to God to bear witness to the truth of what one is affirming or denying or promising. He's calling upon God to be witness, judge, and revenger if he is not speaking truthfully. By taking an oath, he is guaranteeing the truth of his affirmation, denial, or promise. The book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16, the writer says this, Men swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. In a promissory oath, one appeals to God to witness to one's sincerity of heart and faithfulness of purpose. And if one fails to fulfill the promise, God is called upon to judge and punish him. Self-maledictory. A scripture commanded that God's people take oaths in his name in several places. Deuteronomy 10 verse 20 tells this. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. But the scribes and Pharisees devised ways of taking oaths to deceive others. They devised ways of making non-binding oaths. They devised ways of taking oaths that appeared to guarantee truthfulness, but in fact were deceptive and surreptitious. They were practicing deceptions. They said, if you take oaths in the name of a creature, such as heaven, earth, Jerusalem, temple, altar, or your own head, Then it is what? Non-binding. Such oaths and vows are non-binding. But if you take an oath to the Lord in the name of the Lord, Jehovah, then it is binding. 
Now Jesus is teaching his disciples that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Otherwise you will not enter into the kingdom of God. And he is speaking therefore about the heart. The inside. The truthfulness of the heart. Over against this legalistic, surreptitious, deceitful, casuistical interpretation of oaths of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus says all creatures point to God. In other words, when you speak about heaven, you are speaking about God who created the heavens. And you cannot get away with it. All creatures point to God and are owned by God. So all oaths, all swearings taken in the name of a creature is taken in the name of God himself. Therefore, all oaths are binding. In other words, it is absolutely impossible to take non-binding oaths. One cannot, in other words, as a Christian, practice deception. One must tell truth and practice truth always. Let me tell you, all oath-taking is an act of worship. You are invoking God to witness your affirmation, your denial, or your promise. You go home and read Exodus 20, verse 11 and 12, and Numbers chapter 5, 19 through 21. It tells you, That all oath-taking is before God. Jesus here speaks against all frivolous and evasive oath-taking. Jesus is requiring sincerity, truthfulness, and forthrightness of speech. Your affirmation must be true. Your denial must be true. Your yes must be yes. Your no must be no. Not as I know. That is moral relativism which has become the language of modern world. In other words, all deception, flattery, exaggeration, embellishment are from the devil. Now let's look at the apostles teaching. And Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 25, Therefore put away all falsehood and speak truth to one another for we are all members of one body. James in chapter 5 and verse 12 reflects on this teaching of Jesus and says this Above all my brothers do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else let your yes be yes and your no be no or you will be condemned. Let's look at the practice of St. Paul. You know, some people accused him of being a moral relativist. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Some of the Corinthians accused St. Paul of moral relativism. And he denies that. And, and defends that he speaks truth. 2 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 18. But as surely as God is faithful... It also means God is truthful. Our message to you is not yes and no. See, he was accused of it and now here he denies it. 
No, I don't practice moral relativism, situational ethics. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no. Because Jesus Christ is not a relativist. He is the truth. He is not yes and no. I am his apostle. Therefore I cannot speak yes and no at the same time. And not only that, God the Father is not a moral relativist. Verse 24, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, he says, God the Father has made so many promises in the Holy Scriptures. And he fulfilled them all in sending Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. In other words, God the Father is not a moral relativist. Christ is not a moral relativist. I am an apostle of this God and this Christ. Therefore, I am not a moral relativist. I am not yes and no. My yes is yes. My no is no. My affirmation is truth. My denial is truth. In other words, all promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God promised and he fulfilled. Isn't that wonderful? I hope that we can promise and we can fulfill as Christians, as born again people of God. Remember Peter, he heard this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount about speaking truth. And what did he do in chapter 26 of Matthew? He denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. But when he was converted, he wrote... An epistle to the church in his first epistle, chapter 4 and verse 11, he says this, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaks the very word of very words of God. This means when one speaks, he must speak as God would have him speak. A more careful speech. God is truth. God is not man that he should lie. This means he is immutable. The whole attribute of immutability. That's what God's truthfulness means. God cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. His own nature. So as children of God. We speak truth. We avoid flattery. Exaggeration. Embellishment. Equivocation. Yes and no. Moral relativism. Situational ethics. Speaking to get something and you promise but tomorrow morning you change your mind. That's not Christianity. We must avoid politicians deceptive speech. We must avoid advertisers sales speech of deception. We speak in such a way knowing that God judges every idle word we speak. Or how can we speak truth with our mouth? Unless what? Our heart is full of truth. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 34. This is what he said. You brood of vipers. Means children of the devil. That's what it means. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? Then he says. For out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. 
James says, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And the poison of the evil heart flows out of the mouth in deceptive speech of lies. So then Jesus said this, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So you want to speak truth? You have to become a good man. And you have to store up good things in the heart. You have to fill it with good things. And then it is very simple. The overflow of the good man, of the good things stored up in his heart, that overflow becomes truth speaking. Truth speaking. So, how can an evil man become good man? How can an evil tree become a good tree? Remember Jesus said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. See, the importance of new birth cannot be underestimated here. How can liars speak truth? Well, that's why Jesus Christ came into this world. Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sins, from our lies, from our deceptions. By his death and resurrection, he accomplished salvation. The Holy Spirit applies that redemption to sinners. And he takes evil men, the Holy Spirit takes evil men, evil hearts, and makes them good heart. He regenerates them and indwells them. He enlightens them. And, he, and so that he loves the law of God and his word and he stores truth in his heart. And then he speaks, which is simply an outflow of what he stores. The Holy Spirit controls their heart and causes them to speak that which is good. Yes, nobody can control speech unless the heart is controlled. First changed and then controlled. Look at the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. We read all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now the question is, what were they speaking? We are told very clearly in the 11th verse. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. First time in their life. These evil people were made good. And the Spirit of God came upon them. First time in their life they are speaking the glory of God. Well, St. Paul says the same thing. If you want to turn to the book of Ephesians and chapter 5, beginning with verse 18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And there is no period there speaking to one another. And what are you speaking? Not nonsense. What are you speaking all of a sudden? 
psalms, hymns and spiritual song. Singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's a miracle. God must make us good. And God must help us to store good things in our heart. And then speech is the outflow of what is stored in us. So I encourage you to be born again. To be filled with the spirit. I encourage you to store good things in your heart when your mind is working. Christians practice God conscious living. They are speaking always before God. In Genesis 39 verse 9 when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Notice he says how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? God is here. I live before God. God is watching. God is looking. I'm one who fear God. I'm conscious of God. And I can not do this thing. Or read in the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 16. We read this, then those who feared the Lord. You know, there are a lot of people who were not fearing the Lord. There is great apostasy. And yet there was a remnant who feared the Lord. And listen, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. In the ordinary conversation, in other words. In their daily speech. Ordinary conversation and what happened. And the Lord listened and heard. Think of that. Not only God hears our prayer. He hears all our conversation. Keep that in mind and speak that the Lord. In a way that the Lord will rejoice. As he hears and listens to our speech. You want to speak in a way that brings glory to God. What did Jesus say? Everyone who thirsts, come and drink. John 7, out of your innermost being, meaning your heart, shall flow rivers of living water. That speech, that God-honoring speech, that's evangelism without professionally becoming an evangelist. Every Christian is speaking. Because every Christian is drinking. And every Christian is storing in his heart these things, good things. And it flows out. Let me tell you, we speak what we are filled with. We speak what we believe. This is always true. Now let me ask you. What is Jesus teaching us in this section? Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Is Jesus Christ telling us, if you are a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot take an oath? Absolutely no. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus opposes is the practice of the scribes and Pharisees The practice of frivolous, evasive, deceptive, casuistical oath-taking. When he says, swear not at all, 
He means why are not at all such deceptive, legalistic, surreptitious, manipulative swearings, evasive swearings. Our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Oh no, God is not abrogating true oath-taking. Now, if somebody says, no, 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 the Anabaptists, the Quakers, the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is not Christian, of course, they believe that you cannot take any oath in a court of law because of this scripture. Now, if they are true, then we have a lot of problems. First, God himself swears in the scriptures. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 132 and verse 11. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. And you read Isaiah 45, verse 23, Hebrews 6, verse 16, and so on. And we find God himself swears. He cannot swear by someone greater than himself, so he swears by himself to confirm and guarantee to us the truth. This means you can rely upon what he is saying. He does that. And not only that, Jesus himself didn't believe that you shouldn't swear at all. Because we see him doing in Matthew 26 and verse 63. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ or the son of God. And he complied. He was put under oath. And he complied. He said, yes. What about the apostles? Look at St. Paul. Read 2 Corinthians 1 verse 23. Galatians 1 verse 20, Philippians 1 verse 8, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 5 and 10. But let's turn to Galatians 5, 1 and verse 20 and let's see whether Apostle Paul understood the way Anabaptists and Quakers understand uh, this passage. And Galatians uh, 1 and verse 20. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. He's calling upon God. God, be my witness to this statement. And not only that, God commands us to do so. In Deuteronomy 10 and verse 20 and Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. So if Jesus is saying that you cannot swear at all, if he is prohibiting oath-taking by this section, then Jesus Christ is contradicting the scripture, which he would never do. The problem with these people who take it literally, swear not at all, if they are right, then look at verse, chapter 5, verse 37. Look at that. Professor Murray makes this point. Look at this verse 37. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's pretty good. If you are going to interpret verse 34 literally, swear not at all, then we have to interpret verse 37 literally. Certainly Jesus Christ is not asking us to interpret that literally. What he's saying is your affirmation must be true. 
And your denial must be true. You shouldn't be evasive and deceptive and surreptitious and legalistic and pharisaical. That's what he's saying. Therefore, this scripture is not teaching us that we as Christians cannot take an oath in a court of law. And not only that, the scriptures do not forbid us to take voluntary oaths when necessary to confirm and guarantee the truthfulness of what we affirm or what we deny as Paul himself did and we read about it. But this scripture does teach us that as Christians we must put away all falsehood and speak truth to one another because we are members of one body. Because we are people who are born of God indwelt by the spirit in whom the word of God is stored up. We are people of God who are led by the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth. Finally, the scripture does not teach us to make a vow to do what God forbids or to take a vow to hinder a duty that God commands us. Let me give you some practical application of this. Speaking truth. First, first is the confession that people make The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. We must be careful right there. You stand up and you say Jesus is Lord. Did you think about that? Or you just said and walked out and started living in a way that Jesus Christ is not Lord. Let me tell you you said that in the very presence of God and he heard it and he has no delight in fools. In other words, God will judge you when you confess that Jesus is Lord and then change your mind and live the way we want. That's the first place we want to be careful in our speech. If you don't mean business, then we are lying. We are saying that in order to be accepted by the church and and be part of the body of Christ and to experience all the privileges without paying the price. Number two. There are some people we are going to baptize today. And I'm going to ask them a few questions. When you say that you believe Jesus Christ is Lord. When you affirm these questions I'm asking you. Understand God himself is listening to you. And he doesn't like fools and lies. He's a judge. He's a witness. He's a revenger. Let us keep that in mind. Number three, when people bring their children for dedication, I ask certain questions to them and and they take upon themselves certain obligations to train these children in the fear and nurture and admonition of the Lord and they walk out of this place and they live without performing that. God holds you responsible. He doesn't have no delight in fools. God himself who is truth watching and he heard your vow, your confessions and he holds us responsible to what we said before the almighty God. Let's move on. Look at marriage vows. People come and we ask questions and they agree to that before God and before these witnesses and they walk out of this place and leave us though. They don't have to keep their vow. 
If there is no God, you can do that without any problem. But there is a living and true God, and he is watching that magic vow. And he heard it, and he is the witness, he is the judge, and he is the revenger. What about covenant commitment to a body of Christ? Certain propositions you have to agree to. And you agreed and you signed and you uh, did everything else and forgot all about it. Let me tell you, God has no delight in fools. He holds you responsible to what you professed before the almighty God. What about the preachers and elders who are ordained and they are supposed to confess certain things when they are ordained? And they walk out and they forget all about the vows they made to God. Now God is watching you. And he will judge and he will punish. What about promises and obligations you entered into? As Christians, you have an obligation to fulfill that. Let's look at some scriptures and write these things down. Exodus 22 verse 11. It says this. The issue between them will be settled by taking of an oath before the Lord. Keep that in mind. It's before the Lord. He is witness. He is judge. He is revenger. Leviticus 19 and verse 12 says. Do not swear falsely. By my name and so profane the name of the Lord. In other words, whenever a person swears falsely, he is engaging in profanity. He's speaking profanity before God. Exodus 20 verse 7, do not misuse the Lord's name. And it says the Lord will hold him guilty. See, we use the Lord's name to give authority and guarantee truth but you see he will not hold you guiltless he will hold you guilty Deuteronomy 23 verse 21 and 22 says what you vowed he will demand it and you'll be guilty of sin he says Numbers 30 and verse 2 tells us do not break your word You must perform everything. Finally, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And let me read to you the importance and seriousness of this oath taking. Beginning with verse 4. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Breaking a vow is sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. I changed my mind. I came into new reality now. Now listen. Why should God be angry at what you say and what? Destroy the work of your hands. God is angry. And people speak profanity. When people make vows and forget about it. 
God is truth. His word is therefore truth. He cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. And if this is true, let me tell you one glorious truth this morning. If this is true, his words alone can be trusted completely. His promises can be trusted completely. He says, come unto me. All those who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You can trust on that. And you can come to God and receive rest. You can rely on it. He is immutable. He is unchangeable. He is truth. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Count on it. He says, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can count on it. He says, be not anxious, be not afraid. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be granted unto you. You can rely on it. Because God speaking. My question is, will you believe and be saved and be at rest? But number two, not only his promises are absolutely true, his threatenings are true too. God doesn't speak as fools do. But listen to his threatenings. St. Paul says he will punish, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says they will be punished with everlasting destruction. He says that. You want to know where liars are going to be? Turn with me to book of Revelation chapter 21. And let me read to you verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and what? And all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Well, that, that has to be true if God is truth. God cannot let any liar into his heaven. This is serious business. Isn't that true? Who is a liar? In the maximal sense, who is a liar? One who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the unpardonable sin. My question is, will you repent and believe and confess that Jesus is Lord and be saved. Amen.